This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured, you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Your plans? Today it's dinner with the parents at your spot. We gotta come back here. Now, their spot. Or you're on the edge of your seat at the game. Come on, just one time. And it's the one. Or maybe you're catching the next flight to... Now boarding flight 1850. Oh, that's you. The choice is yours. And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Lester Till I Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on you foxes!
Hello, <laughs> a few technical difficulties there. I bet you sat there thinking, great news, Chris isn't going to come in. <laughs> I just needed to press the other button. Uh, we seem to be having a few technical problems this evening. Hey, 4-0. Wasn't expecting that, were you? Well, whatever happened, we actually won. <laughs> We did indeed, and um, we are through to the next round. Strong team put out, strong team performance. What did you think? We're all superheroes out there this evening, weren't they? There we go. Um, 4-0. Let's bring Julian in. Uh, Julian Watts, ex-Fox. Good afternoon, Julian. Afternoon, Chris. How the devil are you, sir? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good, good. We, looks like it's going to be you and me tonight. We um, can't get Brad on. He's uh, He's got a new phone. He's had a few teething problems. So uh, whether he'll be able to join us via the comments or not, I don't know. Um but um, it, it, it was job well done, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, I didn't think Stoke really put up much opposition. They sort of sat back. Uh, they tried to contain us. And it, it was probably going to take something special uh, for us to break through, which it did in the end. But, but once that goal went in, I felt like it was uh, pretty easy going, if I'm honest. In, <laughs> indeed, it did seem... Um, well, I mean, they, they, they have the chances, but I was never worried. No, and it's you know I noticed late in the game when it was two 0 uh, and they didn't really press us. Then it, it, it sort of seemed like you know they were just there to keep the score down, which is never a fantastic tactic if I'm honest. But yeah. you know they didn't really have a go at us. Yeah, they did have a couple of chances, but like I say, I think we were comfortable in uh, possession. Tielemans had a lot of the ball. Uh, Please for all Brighton to get his goal because I know he, he gets some stick from some quarters. So I think all in all, it was job well done, good day, uh, some good performances. Uh, and, you know, like you say, we can look forward to the next round. We can indeed. And uh, if you are watching us, don't forget, if you're on Facebook, please give that little StreamYard link a click and join on them. We can see your names. If you're watching us on Twitter or Periscope, it's at Leicester Till I Die. Sorry, at Leicester TID, sorry. And YouTube TV is Leicester Till I Die TV. Um, Rudy Herhern, um, where, where we got you, sorry. It jumped then. Rudy Ahern, good afternoon, Rudy. Good professional job. Never really looked like conceding, which is basically what you were saying, Julian. And didn't need to get out of first gear for most of the game. JJ and Castagna ran the socks off. They did, didn't they? They, they had brilliant games. They, they did, and I think that's what caused Stoke a lot of problems who were playing with wing-backs, the fact that our full-backs overloaded them on that side, and I think they found that tough to deal with, and they never really changed anything tactically to cope with it, so it was a, a great outlet for us uh, for us all game, and it made us uh, very dangerous. Yeah. Um, Facebook, you say, good um, job done, only downside. Pratt didn't look too good, and that's Rob. Good evening, Rob. Um, they were saying that um, if it's his hamstring, and you'll know as an ex-player better than most, people are saying six to eight weeks, which would probably be the end of the season now for, for him. 
It is. I mean, it, you know, hamstrings, uh, horrible thing to go. I, I, it happened to me once and mine was, I think, same six to eight. When you really, really pull it properly, which is without expectation of anything yeah. happening, you're stretching for it, it, and it and it goes properly. It's, uh, it's a long old road back and you have to be really careful with the rehabilitation because once you've done it once, you're really susceptible to it uh, again. So, yeah, it was a downside for the game and it, it was strange so late in the game, if I'm honest, but uh, yeah. it just looked like he was stretching at a funny uh, angle and it just might have been the way, you know, his, his muscle was placed down, but uh, it, you could see straight away exactly what it was and it did look like a really bad one, to be fair. It did. I mean, he, he he pulled right up, didn't he? I mean, Trat's not one for sort of... And there's no need for him to go down just to try and waste time. But you could see he was stretching, I think, to try and get to the ball. And and that's probably maybe 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 what did it. But um, I suppose... And we wish him all the best and we wish him a speedy recovery. But um, <laughs> at least, hopefully, Madison's going to be on the way back and his isn't too serious. No, and you know, and obviously Mendy came on. We've got Madison who can drop in there, uh, and DD Tielemans. You know, there there is covering that. It, it is a shame. I mean, he was doing something that not you know. There's a nice mix of midfield players in there, so um, you know, Mendy's not one to make forward runs, and unfortunately, he got injured making a forward run. It was a great run, and it was a great ball, and unfortunately, that's come out of the other side of it. So you, you'll miss that side of his game. But we have got cover in those positions, and we have shown through some bad injuries that we've been able to cope with it. And still get results so um yeah. you know that's been a positive side of the last sort of couple of months i think and i exactly agree 100 and and i don't mean this disparagingly against him but he's not always the first choice starter is he He was always a sort of backup player but like you say we, we're not short of options there no, I mean, I'm a real big fan of Ndidi's. I think he does a fantastic job that we've seen, you know, in other Premier League players, Fernandinos and players like that, uh, does that great role. Uh, and then Tielemans today, who, you know, sometimes I think people think he's a bit hit and miss, but he, he sort of tracked the ball really well today. Every time he was on the ball, you know, I think he rarely made a bad pass and he, he seems to follow the ball around the pitch, which is great for a central midfield player. So he's always available and he can always keep, um, you know, the play ticking over. And I thought he did that, particularly second half. I thought he did it excellently today once we uh, got our noses in front. I mean, were you... I was surprised when I saw the team sheet. I'm not going to lie. I was expected. Obviously, we, we, we kind of knew about Madison and, and Vardy being out. But when I saw sort of how strong it was um, and Angie and I'm going to bring Angie's comment up in a, in a bit for a second part of a comment but um, it, it was a strong team and it, it, it's it's nice somebody said earlier it's nice to see a, a city manager taking the cup seriously it is, but you know, at the end of the day, we've, we've got a op- real good opportunity to, to win a, a trophy, and I, I don't know why more sort of managers don't take it a bit more seriously, especially the FA Cup. And it is a great time for the bigger teams to sort of blood some youngsters, but sometimes I think they, they overdo it and put too many in. I mean, you know, today, uh, you know, it'd be a great time to put one or two in, but we don't have to over egg it. And, and to be fair, we didn't. We put a strong team. And I think my one disappointment today, because I'm a bit of a fan of his, is that the, you know, the young lad Thomas didn't play. Uh, yeah. But it'd be a perfect opportunity in his development. And, you know, there's a lot of conversations uh, about younger players coming in. And like at Foden at Man City and probably not getting the game time he would expect. And I, and I thought today was a real good 
time where we could have brought Thomas in and given him a lot of game time because I think he's developing really, really well. There might be a reason for it, I don't know, but uh, you know, I think he's going to be one for the future and the more game time you give him now, the better he'll, uh, he'll come on. Oh, definitely. And do you think, and we, I sort of touched on this before, before we came live, but do you think uh, Brendan was a little bit mindful of Prell's history in cup competitions? You know, we, we, we all know that, you know, having got knocked out by an understrength Man City side on penalties in the League Cup, he then went out and put a, an understrength side out against, was it either Millwall or Newport? In fact, probably both of them. And in mm. the same season, we got knocked out uh, of both cups because of weakened sides. So, do you think that plays at the back of a manager's head or do you think Brendan has just focused and has looked at it and said, yeah, we've not got any midweek games now, let's go for it? It may well do, but I still think, you know, like I say, there's a, such a good opportunity to, to win a trophy, League Cup, you know, or FA, whichever it is. And, and I really don't understand managers' thinking because I know there's a lot of games in the season and I know they want to rotate the squads. Uh, but, you know, we, you can give them time off and rest players. Uh, so it, it frustrates me a bit, to be honest, because fantastic competitions. I would have loved to have won, you know, an FA Cup or the chance yeah. to do that. I never really got close in my time. But, uh, you know, maybe he does look at that because it is a shame if you go somewhere and play a weakened team thinking, do you know what, we can get through with this team and then it, it backfires on you and you, you probably have a little bit of regret afterwards and if he's, if he's had that regret afterwards, it might have changed his, his thoughts on today's lineup. and I, I was really pleased, to be fair, when I saw the lineup. I was a, a bit um, puzzled, I think, by the, the Perez playing up front but uh, other than that, I was really chuffed to see uh, such a strong lineup. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I was torn because... The League Cup, and I know we've, we've, we've got a history of doing well, obviously, in the O'Neill years with yourself and what have you in the League Cup. But I wasn't, well, with it being Arsenal, I wasn't sorry that we'd gone out because we'd got the Europa League. And I, and, I, and I felt a little bit, don't get me wrong, I still got excited when we scored and pleased we threw. But there was still a little bit at the back of me going like, hmm, you know, would it be the end of the world if we didn't go through? But always the bridesmaid yet to be the bride with the FA Cup. Yeah, and you know that again. That might be something that the club will set targets at the beginning of the season, and it, it may be that this season, you know, they made that a, tar a target. But I mean, I will go back to you know a long, long time ago, twenty odd years when, when we played. We 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 really wanted to play in every game, and I know the yeah. you know the pace has picked up a little bit, but so is the fitness and the condition of the players. So for me, I, I think they are more than capable of of coping with the the games, you know, as they come. And I know they come they come fast, and the more competitions that you. In, you know, the more games there's going to be, but you know, with appropriate rest and you know, having sort of gentler days on the training ground, I, I think there's plenty of time uh, to recover. So, and again, getting into that winning habit, you know, I get, you can go into a cup game, weaken team, lose the game, it's a bit of a downer. So, pleased that they played a stronger side, you know, they've still got players to come back, and I, I just think it really, um, really bodes well. I can see Brad has now been able to join us, so I'm going to bring him in. And I've got the perfect comment to bring him in. Aggie, you're wise beyond your years, if you feel the same as me. I've just got to play this one, uh, show this comment for you here, Julian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a rugby fan. It was actually a present, so uh, I do have to wear it. I've bought it, so. <laughs> <laughs> the mother-in-law, was it? <laughs> but, uh, Very good. Sorry. sorry. I said, sorry, Kurt. <laughs> the, the only show where you get told off by the people watching. 
Anyway, finally, let's bring uh, Brad in. He's worked out which buttons to press on his new phone. Hi, uh, you guys. Oh, that was a nightmare. I was, going into the, I was going into the black hole of settings. I had to do settings, to go on to settings, to go on to browser settings, to allow this, to allow that. I nearly gave up, but it's finally <laughs> working. Well, you've certainly got a Jesus Christ look about you at the moment with the light coming down. <laughs> over I know, the right? First position of this light, and it's just like, no, I can't be bothered with it. It's still uh, and I'm running with it today. Just uh, bless you, my son. But uh, I'm going to, um, you obviously, you've, uh, you, you missed a um, very, very intellectual conversations here between me and Julian. But I'm going to bring this uh, point up from Aunt Aggie because just perfect for you, just as you came in there, then, Brad. Tillemans was a different class, especially second half. How do you think Perez did up until the goal? Didn't realise he was playing, hardly ever mentioned. That was his chance, wasn't it? He's just answered the question for me. I didn't know he was playing until he scored. He, honestly, he did nothing for me. I don't know why. No, he worked in the end. It was a good result. We're all happy with it. And I don't like to pick negatives out of a decent performance and a professional job well done like that. But I, I saw the team and I even said to you, Chris, it looks like Barnes is up front and he, mm. he was maybe going to put Albright in back on the left and Perez on the right. And when I saw Perez up front, kind of like most of us do when we see him, he actually started. We kind of just, my heart sank a little bit. I thought, oh, great. But, you know, it's, even, it's not real there now, really. There's no point dwelling on someone else's performance. We just take, take the result as it is and enjoy yeah. it for what it is. Rudy there saying your microphone sounds like it's made of a potato, Brad. Hey, Rudy, uh, let's, just, let's just be glad we've got Brad with us. It's taking yeah. him this long to get in. Let's knock it. Let's not knock it. And it's Julian, um, Kurt's letting you off. <laughs> Thanks, I think it shows, um, and I, in, in the pre-match show when I was talking to Josh, Julian, we were talking about Perez and we both kind of like Perez. And wanted him to do. I'd have loved him. I mean, he got the goal. Don't get me wrong. He, he, you know, he, he, he said that. I think I could have scored that one. But um, it just shows that it is one area that we, you know, we do lack the quality and backup. It, it is, and I, I will say, I feel sorry about Perez because a striker, the role, it, it's. You know, I know he's professional football. It's so different and it's a quite a unique position. And if you're not used to playing there, it can be really difficult. What I will say is he took the goal well. He's got great ability. I think he's probably having a bit of a, a you know, a time at the minute where it's a bit difficult for him in and out of the team. And then obviously he's putting the team today out of position. So I, I do feel for him in that. Um, what I sort of looked at today that I found interesting, and, and it's only because I know his dad, is that I, I think George Hurst is a real good prospect. And I know I've spoken mm. to his dad about him in the past and, he really talks well of where he is in his development and what he thinks, you know, he's going to be when he's, um, you know, when he sort of gets yeah. more mature and, and, and reaches that sort of level. But, I mean, his dad was like the best striker I've ever played with. He was unbelievable. And if George is anything like that, I think he's a fantastic prospect. And I noticed today he came off the bench at Rotherham. And for me, when we went on loan, uh, whatever, however old you were, I remember going on loan to Shrewsbury when I was about twenty-one. But you went on loan to play games, and I'm not, I'm not quite understanding why he's not starting at Rotherham because, from what I've seen of him, he's not looked out of place when I have seen him play. Um, yeah. He's in the England, you know, you, you know, under twenty-one, twenty-three setups, or has been. So he's obviously got something, and I would like to see, you know, he'd be, he'd be better off coming off the bench. Uh, at Leicester than he is at Rotherham if he's not getting full game time I think it's a bit of a waste of his talent and development so 
that and that is the backup, you know, maybe that you're talking about. But having said that, you will probably need a bit more recognised backup as well, which we don't appear to have. Yeah. Uh, Adrian or Aggie, I don't know how to pronounce it. I apologise. I think uh, Julian's just answered your question there. How's he doing at Rotherham? A uh, couple of points here about Perez. Again, basically agreeing with you. A bit unfair on Perez. Did a lot off the ball. There were games when Vardy doesn't seem to be involved totally. How often do we say with Jamie Vardy, well, other commentators, he's had the least touches of any player on the pitch, including the goalie. And then suddenly, you know, he produces that one moment of brilliance. Uh, Kurt, to be fair to Perez, we don't hear of Vardy again most of the game when he's up front until he bags the coal. Um, don't know what was the strange decision was from Brendan, but um, there we go. Um, Craig, good evening, Craig. Welcome along. He's left Jerry Mina with a head bandage today. Um, and I think um, Perez was trying too hard when the with, when I think Perez was trying too hard when in the ball. Well, if he's in the ball, he's going to have a really difficulty kicking it, isn't he? I think I know what you mean, though. <laughs> However, still prefer him than Nacho. Point Julian made there, Brad. I'll come over to you now. Is about George Hurst. It's a good point. I'm very much like a lot of fans screaming, it's January the transfer window, who we're bringing in, who we're bringing in. We've probably got one of the best batches of young players waiting to come through, possibly that, all right, maybe I'm going over the top here, but certainly, if not as good as, almost as good as, obviously the famous class of 90, whenever it was with Man United, we've got a good youth setup, haven't we? Yeah, we do. And we've made a few points as recently to talk about the youth a bit more. I mean, I'm a big admirer of Admiral Musque, or however you say his last name. I've taken a bit more of an interest in it in the last couple of years, not just because of, of things that have been going on with us, but just because mm-hmm. the under-23s have really kind of followed suit. They seem to be having the same sort of practice makes perfect, getting them ready for the first team. Uh, and over the other couple of years, maybe they played differently to the first team to suit the youngsters, where now they're trying to get the youngsters suited to first team for when they're ready. And I think you can kind of tell by the transfer talks and the, 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 the things that managers are saying about the likes of Chowdhury and Gray and the fact that we're seeing Hurst and Lo- on loan and, you know, Musquay out on loan as well. You, you're probably saying that, OK... He would rather them go and get 75 minutes an hour, 50 minutes, 45, 30 minutes every week or every other week at Rotherham or wherever it is they're out on loan than he would be give them 90 minutes against Stoke. We go and get Manchester United in the fourth round and he never plays for us again this season because there's not a game opportunity that presents mm. himself to give him a run in the team unless it's an injury. I think it's just a better option. I'd like to see them come through. But I think from the intent, from the talk of Rogers with his transfer uh, situation and, and letting the youngsters go out on loan, that he's going to bring, if he's going to bring anyone in, it's going to make an, an immediate impact on the first team that it is to develop. And it's a good position to be in, the fact that we've got those youngsters, because obviously it's good for the club. We're, we're not spending much. I mean, moving on to the game, uh, it was 400 games up for Castro Michael. Um, mate, that made me feel old. I hadn't realised, but uh, James Justin had pl- play, has played 90 minutes in the last 17 fixtures. And that, that guy is just like lightning, isn't he? He just never seems to... He's like the Joe Sell Rabbit. 
uh, he never sort of and when i say rabbit i mean the little furry rabbit <laughs> um, he, he never sort of wears down and moving on for the fact that, that barnes and the whistle went nearly forgot to take the knee and shot straight off up the uh up the pitch we we made we made a good start didn't we uh julian we we did and you know like i say there was a couple of chances for stoke but it, it just felt i mean just watching it on the television it just felt comfortable it, it really did feel like and i think you know if I was sat watching it and Stoke would have scored, I would have thought, Do you know what, we'll go to the other end and get one. I think they huffed and puffed. They didn't really press us a lot. They kept the shape well. They were trying to contain us, as I've said before. Um, and, and it was going to be something special to, to like break the deadlock. And once that happened, it, it was uh, it was like freewheeling downhill for me. I thought it was such a comfortable, comfortable um, victory. But, Julian, I mean, Stoke... I know they've got injuries, but they'd knocked... I mean, Wolves was one, and I'm not sure whether it was Palace or Fulham, but they'd knocked two teams out of the League Cup, so they weren't to be taken lightly, were they? No, they weren't. And, you know, that's what that's what surprised me, that they had, you know, they had a good track record this season in the Cups, and obviously they've got the Championship to, to, um, to concentrate on now. But it, it just surprised me, you know, after we scored, that they didn't really come after us. And that's, for me, a team, it looked like, and it's probably a very harsh word, but it looked like a really unambitious performance from them. They never, ever really came at us, even late in the second half. Like I said, at 2-0, you probably still think you've got a chance. When the third and fourth go in, then you more or less know the game's gone. Uh, but at 2-0... Uh, you're still in the game. A goal can change things around really, really quickly. And but you know we had the ball at the back, and they didn't didn't really have that urgency to press us at all. And and it's at that point that I thought you know this is game over. I actually thought we'd just see it out at two 0 but obviously we got the two great team goals with with a good bit of passing and some movement. But uh, yeah, even at two 0 it, it was game over. To be fair. And uh, Brad, when we got our goal, and what a goal that first goal was. It came because Stoke were just beginning. We you know we'd had that good start. Stoke were just beginning to get a foothold into the game. It came at a good time. Although obviously it's always a good time to get a goal, but you know it, it was. It did stifle them a little bit. Yeah, it did. It kind of knocked the stuffing out of them from whatever momentum they were building up. And like Julian said, they never really looked to threat. And even if they did get a goal, you kind of just felt well, Leicester is going to roll another one in, and it, it was. It was going to be an easy afternoon, and in the end, that's what it was. Uh, it was nice to see Justin get a goal of that sort of quality because um, I think I remember it was one of Brendan's first games in charge, Man City. You know, we all remember that Vincent Company screamer, don't we? That eventually gifted Man City the title that year. It kind of reminded me like that. I kind of like it, and I'm, I'm sure players of Justin and DD and that like to see the defence sit back as if to go, well, if you're going to shoot, you're going to have to be special yeah. to score or you're going to find a new route into our goal because you're not going to score by running at us because we've got too many men in front of the ball. And Justin went, all right, and if you're going to give me the time and space to think about it, do a crossword puzzle, I'm going to curl it into the top corner because he had all the time in the world yeah. to pick the spot out and he did it well. It was. I mean... Brett, uh, good evening, Brett. Uh, and I always must say good evening, Brett, and good evening, Mrs. Ahern as well. Uh, JJ will surely be in the next England squad. Um, Craig, I think, is a little bit miffed here that uh, Brendan didn't follow his advice with all the changes <laughs> for the game. But uh, a big bench today, Roger still didn't promote any youth to the bench for some reason. 
Julian, you, you're buggered if you do, you're buggered if you don't. You know, we were criticising before um, 12 for, you know, the, the second string teams that he was putting out against the likes of Newport and Millwall. You know, Brendan's gone here for the a, a full-strength team. It, it, it's a devil's job being a manager, isn't it? It is, but I get what Craig's saying. And, and I think it, it's just more than that, you know, great put the uh, strong team out, but then have a bit more youth on the bench because, you know, you've gone there with showing your purpose that, that you want to win the game. But, and again, I, I go back to him, Luke Thomas, I would have loved to see him come on. I, th I think it's perfect, especially when you get to 3-0, you know, maybe 20 minutes to go or it might have been 15 minutes at the time. You know, give him, give him some more game time. He, he really needs it. I mean, you know, you can see you know, what's happened to JJ as he's, he's come into the team and been regular. He's coming on leaps and bounds and, you know, the England squad isn't unreachable for him, if I'm honest. So, but he's come on just for the facts of injuries and he's, he's come into the team and taken his opportunity. But if you don't get that opportunity, sometimes you can go a bit stale. And I think you need to keep the younger players interested. You know, if they don't yeah. think they're ever going to get a chance, then all of a sudden, you know, it, they can just plateau. And, uh, and I just yeah. think, Give them the encouragement that they know, and if they're performing well in training and in the under twenty three games, the the opportunity might arise. And if you give them that, it's a big carrot for them to uh, to get stuck yeah. into. Craig, I'm just winding you up, mate, from the uh, preview show. <laughs> I know you weren't criticising. Uh, I'm just just uh, just a little bit of a, a bit of banter and a bit of wind up there. Um, yeah. Um, Kurt says here, as you like to say, Chris, we played like Brazil today. Some lovely passing and Stoke defence didn't have an answer to us. I don't know what you watched it on, uh, Brad. I mean, I was watching on iPlayer and I'm not sure the commentator was. Steve, Stephen Warnock was the co-commentator. Somebody said that they were very pro-Stoke. I don't think they were at all. I mean, if you closed your eyes and listened to that, we did play like Brazil at times. Well... The source that I acquired it from to watch this game from shall not be mentioned, as you always it like to remember that one. It we might it might have been through the same source. It was just broadcasted less legally, I guess. Yes, yeah. Um, but they were very. I have to admit, I thought the source I was watching from were very Stoke. You know, you, you, we complained about Sky saying, "Oh, look, you wouldn't know Leicester." You know, like last week, "Oh, Leicester were playing Newcastle. You wouldn't know it because all we could talk about was Spurs." And they're loving with Spurs. Well, if you closed your eyes, you wouldn't have known there was a game kicking off because all it was was Stoke's manager and in the, any Irish connection out there that they could think of. They're yeah. all about Stoke. They're all about Stoke's manager. They're all about his style of play and the positives that Stoke would take from it and Stoke and Stoke and Ireland and Republic. And I was like, have we kicked off? Are we playing? Because unless I had my eyes, mate, I wouldn't have known. Maybe it was different on, because I was certainly on the BBC Red Button. I'm not sure how you watched, Julian, but like I say, Stephen Warner was having a, having a loving with Leicester City. Yeah, I watched it on the iPlayer and I didn't take much notice of it anyway. But yeah, he did. And he, he was praising Tiedemans quite a lot, second half, rightly so. He was uh, excellent today. Uh, we did play well and not quite like Brazil, but I, I do think, again, it's because the opposition sat off as a bit, you know, the mm. midfield players, back players had quite a bit of time on the ball, but, you know, still job done and it was excellent. I mean, you, you've led me straight into it there, and I'll stick with you, Julian, for this one. Uh, Tillemans, what a ball through for all Brighton. Yeah, he's got that about him. And like I say, I think he's had sort of patches of form where, it, you know, he came in and he was bright and fresh and played ever so well. And then he, he sort of had a few dips here and there. But, you know, going on today, I thought he was absolutely excellent. He was the 
player that kept us ticking all the time. He was always available for the ball. He was always moving the ball quickly. As you've said, the ball through Solbright and fantastic. So I, I thought, you know, he was probably probably the man of the match for me, better player on the pitch than anyone else. Lots of touches, lots of positives, always looking to play forward. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was outstanding. And I think it's, it, it, it says a lot, Brad, about how well one team is playing, I think, anyway, when the other team has to make three substitutions all in one go. And that's what Stoke did. Um, five minutes later, we were 3-0 up with Perez. Kind of threw them out their, their stride having three substitutions all in one go. Yeah, I think I think at that point, especially when you're the championship side, um, you kind of go boom or bust. I think they were more inclined to probably use the youth than we were, just because Brendan's preference for taking competitions at full strength or as best he can, or whatever the reason is, that like you said, they weren't youth on the bench, but Stoke were probably more inclined to use it. I don't know how Stoke are doing so well in the league. Maybe they've not been on a decent run and he thought, I need these players fit for our league game to keep up with the top. Uh, I know they've had a lot of Stoke would be wanting playoffs. Hmm. Sorry, what was that, Chris? So they've they've had a load of injuries. Yeah, I I heard that as well. They've just had a few players returning from injuries. So they're trying to man-manage as well. And we have just come off the back of a busy, the typical busy winter period. I know, you know, we've had a week off also to deal with that but still it still plays a part when they're coming back from injuries and they need to get game time I think he just thought the game was gone and Stoke very much after that second goal went in the whole team played like the game was gone and I think the managers did the right thing took them off give them the rollick and they get it full time and move on and, and, and push forward in the league and then they can concentrate on that I just think it was man management style that you see every so often from the lower league side once the banana skin or the cup upset isn't going to happen yes and Julian we scored two very quick goals now I'm going to rely on you here to talk me through the Barnes goal because I was actually still tired because I was watching it in one room but my computer and all the camera and everything is set up in another room where there's no telly so whilst I was actually still um, putting online that Perez had scored to make it 3-0 I could hear them on the telly in the other room saying Barnes had got a fourth to make it 4-0 Talk, talk me through the Barnes goal. Uh, it was just a ball in the box and defender cleared, half cleared it and it was just about technique. He uh, got his knee over the ball. Excellent uh, strike. Really struck it really cleanly. And, you know, I think you can see that he's playing with confidence. Again, he's having an excellent run in the team and I'm a big fan of his as well. I think he's a fantastic young player. Uh, and it was just all about the technique and he, uh, he executed it perfectly. Yeah. And Brad, 4-0 up. 80 minutes, 10 minutes left. And I'm going to defend the guy here. Inacho came on. Now, we're all screaming about how he plays and all this, and he's not being given the chance. 10 minutes is not long enough for anybody to really, unless you score a wonder goal, if you come on and do what JJ did, but that's very rarely going to happen. He's not really had the chance today to, to show anything, has he? No, but I think his past performances are maybe like he's been put on a little bit of the naughty step. You know, he's kind of been told, look, your standards aren't up to where we thought you'd be and where where you probably personally want to be. So for that reason, instead, you know, Perez has got to, you know, whether, whatever I think or whatever Julian or yourself think of Perez or whatever in his efforts today, I'm not saying he wasn't running around. I'm just saying I didn't hear a lot of him. 
uh, today. You know, Paris has got a few goals and assists, and he's got more confidence. So who's going to get? Who deserves some more game time? And, and unfortunately, you know, that was just the case today. Uh, I mean, he didn't do too much when he came on, and he, he, you know, it's just one of them. At the end of the day, he's got a he's got a warrant getting that start, and if he comes on in ten minutes and he's got hunger in his belly and he wants to put things right. He, he sets up a few chances. It doesn't matter if he doesn't score, he doesn't get an assist in 10 minutes. I'm not expecting him to. If he does, brilliant. But if he's showing the intent and the ball's forward are decent and it's other players letting him down, then at least he can say, well, I'm trying and I'm doing my job to prove I'm good enough to come on and play for Leicester City in the role he was asking me. Like you said earlier, Julian, it's always a problem with a striker, no matter how good they play and setting people up and holding the ball up and making space, they are judged on the number of goals they score. Just as with a goalkeeper, you can have a worldly game but still lose 3-0 and it's almost like a black mark against you. Again, a case of not being able to win sometimes, isn't it? It is. I mean, there's few... You know, there's one of, the, one of my uh, players that I really like is Firmino at Liverpool and he's not really a goal scorer. He does cut way in with his with an amount, but I think he's, he's so good for the team and the team wins and scores goals that you probably would, he was a player that you probably would excuse. But, you know, like you said, uh, with Vardy having few touches, probably Perez having few touches today, if they didn't get the goals, you'd be thinking, what are they actually contributing to, you know, the overall performance and the results that, that the team's achieving? So, it, unfortunately, you know, that's just part of being a striker. You need to hit the back of the net. And, uh, you know, and if you're not, you know, like you say, your time on the pitch might be uh, quite sparse. I'm going to ask this to both of you, so maybe Brad first and then Julian afterwards. Um, when we look at these cup games, whether it be League Cup, uh, FA Cup, and we've always talked about putting second-string teams out and you know we're giving the main players a, a you know a rest and uh, bringing the, the, the you know not say reserves, but you know bringing the next string through. Leicester's never been able to do that. I don't feel, you know, you sometimes you look at Man City, and I know it's got the money and what have you, but you look at those sort of teams and think, by God, their second string team, you wouldn't know any difference from the first. We've never been like that, but I feel like we are now, Brad. No, that, that's true. It, 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 it makes a bit of a change to be able to kind of call. I mean, I don't, I, over the years, I've kind of lessened to the term second string because when when that comes out on Facebook, the media march comes out and everybody goes, oh, you're playing a second string, you can't play that, you want to take it seriously. And you've got to remind people it's a squad game. And, and you know, people like myself and probably you guys are, are there, maybe maybe Julian not so much because he's older and wiser and knows to stay away from it. But uh, he, he might... Um, One out of two is not bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, we'll sit there and go, no, you guys are saying it's a second string these guys have brought in at Leicester to be good enough. And, yeah, it's nice to have a bit of youth and a bit of a change-up. And it's nice to know we've got a bit, you know, we feel a bit more secure with our um, other players like Mendy uh, and that that come into the team. To, and, and Thomas, if he either got picked today, would have felt comfortable with pretty much any lineup since the start of the season after the first five or six games where Brendan could have put Omarty up front and would have questioned it when he scored a hat-trick the way it was going. You know, that sort of ridiculousness, the way it was going for, for position-wise, but it, it, it does its job. We've got the confidence in it. And you can go at it a bit more. And it's always easier when things are going right for you. When things are going right and results are going the way you expect them, it's easy to sit here and go, yeah, yeah, good decision, thing, things, la-la. It's like you guys said earlier, like 
Powell and, and that when we were second string teams, you know, had, had Rogers done that today and Thomas got a start and, and someone else played and as Admiral got a start and, and, and we lost, lost that game or it went all the way and we ended up winning it, we'd have been turning around and going, oh, well, you know, we should take this seriously because we might not win the European, we're not going to win the league. All of a sudden, fans change their opinions and suddenly we're not winning the league, we're not winning Europa, so we need to go all in for the FA Cup. So, like you said, mate, you can't you can't please everybody. It's a sod's law. It's a lot easier to manage a cup game on a, on a game than it is in real life. I must admit, um, Brad, that was a very good impersonation of Terry Christian you did then. I can tell you... Uh, living I know, right? I, I threw it into the mix for you. <laughs> uh, Julian, I mean, I... I, I... I say second string. I mean, years ago we would say reserves, but there's no such thing as a reserve team anymore. So I suppose you could call them squad players. I, I guess I'm being a little unfair, maybe calling them second string. But you know, these are players. We know that you know if indeed is fit, and we we know there's not going to be a lot of games altogether. Mendy's probably not going to start. So you know, but going back to the original question. We have got then to reword it. Probably the best squad, if you like, that we've had for a long, long time that I can sort of ever remember. It is, and I think this. You know, I remember watching Man City play last week, and it was a supposed second string, and it's not. It's just that their squad's bigger. So when they're putting in players who aren't normally starting, they are vying for that shirt that they get, and then all of a sudden, like you say, people say second string. You know, they're not second string players, and the players that we've got aren't either. They've probably got one person in front of them in the Leicester squad, so they're one. You know, if you like, one player away from starting every week. So yeah. they're not they're not second string players. It's like you say, the more of a squad, uh, and you're just giving opportunities to players who aren't playing every week, and hopefully, you know, like development or whatever, uh, it, it helps in in that respect. But like like you say, we've got a really strong squad. We've shown that with the injuries that we've had, and like we've all talked about it before, that we've come through these injuries uh, pretty well, if I'm honest. So it, it does sort of say that about us, that these so-called squad players, second-string players, are actually first-team players, but just not quite as good as the person in front of them. Yeah. The incentive is there for them to do better, obviously. I'm going to say uh, hello to um, one of my daughters here. Hello, hello, daughter. Uh, who is the, and, and this This is the reason I am self-isolating at the moment, because of this uh, this young lady. Um, got got Gets a job in the NHS within a couple of weeks, gets tested positive. <laughs> just the way it goes um anyway, good evening heather um john josh herod good evening how are the devil are you sir big shout out to little west today dealt with a physical attack and style of play superbly and i can't remember him losing the header got the perfect role modeling johnny evans teaching him on the pitch he has has he not i mean obviously johnny's brad johnny signed a, an extension now, which is great news because he's got that experience. Because we think end of season, big Wes and big Christian will probably be moving on or, or retiring and moving on to different things. Um, but I can't think of, I couldn't name a player out there today that had a bad game. No, I think that's fair. I don't, I don't think there was anyone really that had a, a bad game. There was probably three or four that actually had very decent, um games uh i have to agree with that comment i thought yet again for fafana was you know brilliant in in in, the, in everything he did i mean he even beat some of the 
top tall Stoke players that we all recognised in in the air. He beat them in aerial duels, and he's not the he's not blessed with the greatest of height, but he can he can get about six foot odd blokes at his height, and he gets in there. And he, he, you know, we keep saying it every week, but you know the the whole media are, are marvelling at him because he just reads the game so well. He, he's he's ten years ahead of what he is, and. You know, one thing that is nice that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, and it's always one one point that's brought up, we say, oh, well, surely, you know, Justin's not going to lose his place at left-back. You know, where's Pereira going to fit in? Well, my answer would be, I know he's only just returned and he's only got about 10, 15, 10 to 12 minutes in each game, but who are you dropping to bring in Sayuncu or are you going to have to rotate through them because you're not dropping for Fartner? And you're not dropping Evans at this moment. So it's nice to see a bit of stiff competition where even, yeah. you know, maybe before the start of the season, your nailed on selections aren't now nailed on. No. And going into February, um, we're obviously going to have the Europa League back. So if we do well in the FA Cup, we are, you know, fighting on three, three fronts, as they say. Uh Brett, I'm not sure that you mean me here, but if you do, thank you very much. But I That's think his wife. You, <laughs> I think um, I, I think he was referring to uh, to Johnny Evans, but uh, I'll take I'll take uh, I'll take what my daughter says here. The one and only Chris Litid. <laughs> Are you after another loan, Heather? <laughs> what are you up to there? Now I know that um, Brad doesn't like stats, so I'm going to pass this one over to you, Julian. <laughs> Thanks, for going, Julian. I mean. Oh, mate. Avoid Brad altogether. But no, <laughs> I'm quick to use these to criticise, but it's nice to see here, and I'm just going to concentrate on two there. Forget the possession, because like you say, that, that can mean sweet FA. But for once, we had 12 shots, on tar- uh, 12 shots, of which seven were on target. One of our better returns, and it just shows that if you're not getting these shots on target, or you obviously, and it's a stupid thing, but simple thing to say, you're not going to score. And it's nice, you know, I've seen some games where we've had 12 shots and one on target. So that was a good thing to see today. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it first half and I think neither team had had more than two shots on goal and I think one on target. So I think that did come later in the game, but as we scored, we were a bit more free-flowing and, you know, able to get at, at them a bit more. Um, so, but it, it, it was good and it just shows that we were on the front foot for the game and, you know, like I say, we were, we were there to go and win the game and do a job and we absolutely did that. Yeah, uh, Thomas. Good evening to you. Uh, how are you doing, guys? Good win today. Hopefully, a good cup run. Will us not playing in that showing cup give us a good chance this season? Uh, we, 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 I think we've done in that show. I think we should we should leave him. Even even I'm saying that. The bronze plumber. Hello. I was half expecting they lost. Uh, I was half hoping they lost so they could focus on the league. Too many injuries this season to mess with cups. I don't, I don't want us to lose. I wouldn't have been disappointed, and I said this to you earlier, didn't I, Julian? I wouldn't have been disappointed had we lost. To me, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. But because obviously the teams that have got less games to play are going to do better in the league. But no, I don't. I didn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hope we'd lose. But I want to win every game that we go into. Um, I think we must have one of the best defences in the league when we're all up and running. I think you're right, Vaughan. Let's ask the defender that's sat there in the middle. Got one of the best defences in the league, Julian? 
Well, I think we have. Um, I think, and I, and I know I've said it on on here before that uh, with Fafana, because he's young, he will make mistakes, and we're going to have to, you know, forgive him for that. I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong today. I do think he's an absolute fantastic prospect, and like you say, with Sanchu and Evans as well, you know, we, we've got some real strength there, uh, and and. As Brad said earlier, you know, to play alongside Chris Evans and learn from him, I think he's one of the best centre halves in the in the league. Johnny Evans, uh, really. Yeah. Chris big, Evans, big, is he? He's, he's yeah. given up working at Virgin, has he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think he's uh, yeah, fan, fantastic centre half. Uh, great one for the young lad to learn off, and obviously, um, you know the fullbacks either side are, are, are really in some good form, and we've got some backup there and players to come back. So no, it is. It's a very, very, very good uh, back four. I wasn't so keen on the back three, uh, not because I don't like that formation, just because the personnel didn't really fit it, in, in my opinion. But the back four today uh, and going forward looks really strong. Brilliant. Good. Take a quick ten-second break, and then I'm going to come back and get your guys' opinion on. Um, we're going to look at the man of the match and the ratings very quickly. So we'll be straight back after this. Be sure to watch Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube. Follow all their social media platforms for the latest updates. Okay, there we go. Uh, He may look familiar to, uh, (laughs) to some of you. Right, so man of the match, team player ratings, as you know, um... Alan Bennett does this for me straight in two or three minutes after the final whistle. Doesn't have a lot of time to think about it because I don't let him have the time to think about it. So he's, he is quickly making a decision. Um, I think he's pretty much, for me, got it spot on there. Uh, he's given the manager and the team nine each. And uh, Yuri Tillemans, man of the match. There were several he could have gone for, but I don't think he's far wrong from that. Do you, Brad? No, I don't. I think his ratings are, are actually spot on there. I think, you know, the way we've discussed this game, it's a clear nine because it was comfortable. They never looked in control. They never looked in the game. I, I don't think I don't think the contest ever got off between Leicester and Stoke because Leicester were just doing what they did and were allowed to do it. Um like you said, there was a lot of contenders for it. I, at one point, was maybe thinking Castagne for Man of the Match because he just kept running and running, you know, for Farna, Evans, players we've talked about in depth through the show, you could you could say are up there. But I think one thing that's been questioned of Yori and Dennis Pratt, maybe to a point as well, is when Madison's not there, where's the leadership going to come from? Where's the killer instinct and the pass going to come from? And Today, probably for the first time, or probably more recently, would I say, in definitely, definitely in a stronger light today, you saw Tillemans take that role, and he played it well. There was a lot of shouts from man of the matches in performance-wise, but when you're looking at, when you question someone's credentials, and they come out and play a game like that and prove you right, uh, wrong, sorry, and, and you know they, they they live up to them question marks that are over them. You know, you, you've got to give credit where it's due. And I think Tillemans was the right shout for Man of the Match for me because when we needed a leader without Madison, he's just done it today. And Julian? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we, we've all alluded to that there weren't really many or any bad performances today. And I think the reason Tillemans stood out is because Stoke did sit off us a little bit. So he had more of the ball and we probably noticed him more because of that. And he, he was always on it and he was always looking for it. And like I say, he had a few nice passes and kept us ticking over really well. So, you know, it could have been 
one of a handful picking man of the match. I think he was the right one, like I say, noticing him more just because he was on the ball more. Right, well, very quickly, there's a question come up here. We're going to end with this one, but I just want one-word answers off you both. And we'll go to Brad first. No pressure here, Brad. Um, but it's a question that has been raised here. Uh, if you could only pick one, would you rather have Soyuncu or Fafana? So just the name, Brad. Who would you sooner have? It's like Daddy Chips, really, isn't it? In fairness, it's a horrible question, which is why I'm fair, asking. I'd like eat... Fafana. I'm sorry, but <laughs> for... just on the edge, I'd have to give Fafana. Right. And Julian? Fafana, easy one for me. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I don't have to answer it, you see, because I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question. So I, I'm getting out of it. I'm getting out of it. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining me. And it's always, it's always good when it's on the back of a win as well. Absolutely. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Brad. Brilliant. Yeah, cheers, Colin Julian. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Next week, of course, it's going to be Southampton. Eight o'clock on a Saturday night. What? Mind you, can't go to the pub, can we? Well, probably a good thing. <laughs> yes. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Stay safe. Hopefully see you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. So thanks to uh, Julian. Thanks to Brad there. Yep, next week, an eight o'clock kickoff. Oh, and I think it's on BT Sport. Uh, Kurt, you agree with um, the Fafana choice there? Um, maybe I'll tell you offline in the in in, in the group chat. Who knows? Um, and good evening to you, Kurt. Thank you. So thanks to everybody that joined us. Uh, it says it's always a pleasure to do these things when we win. Uh, it's nice to do it when we lose, but it's obviously always a little bit better when we win. What's coming up next week? Well, I shall tell you, funny seeing as you asked me. On, on Tuesday, we are going to have the preview show when we'll be looking ahead to Southampton on uh, 7 o'clock with me and Craig. On Wednesday, we're going to have the transfer show where we're going to see if there's any movement in the transfer window, um, myself and Mark there. Friday, uh, I've got a friend. I know, ah, I know it's hard to believe. I do actually have a friend. But living down on the south coast here, I have a friend, George. He's an absolutely huge, huge Southampton fan. And he said he'll come on and do the opposition show. So you can't let me down, guys. We've got, I want lots of posts about the 9-0. <laughs> We've got to wind him up. I'm never going to let him forget that. And he doesn't let me forget that they won the return leg either. But that's on the Friday. Then obviously next Sunday, I think it's Saturday, sorry, next Saturday night, 40 minutes before, 40 minutes after the pre- and post-match shows. Guys, thank you for joining. It makes it all worthwhile. If you want to watch this again or you've missed any of it, it's on YouTube, Leicester Till I Die TV. The numbers are just brilliant. They're growing every day. We're a lot more than I expected us to be at this point. Uh, so if you can get that little button to subscribe, I would love you forever. And if you want to listen to us rather than watch us, and I don't blame you for that, uh, Lester Till I Die on podcast, Lester Till I Die on the Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Anchor, and many others. Have a good rest of the weekend. Have a drink tonight and celebrate. And I'll see you all on uh, Tuesday. See you next Tuesday, as they say. Goodbye now.
Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. Shut up and sit down. Thanks for watching. These videos are tremendous. You better like them too or I'll be back. Sports Social Podcast Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.